It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. It's the Friday edition of Lockdown Rams. We're excited for another awesome episode. We've got Dean Vespi with us from Rams Brothers, the pod. Dean, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, man? Dude, I'm doing good. It's fun. I always get to talk to one of the brothers. It's either Dean or Nick, and uh, it's kind of fun having you guys on individually, so you can kind of talk some crap about the other one when they're not here. And then it's you know one of these days we'll have to get you on and just have like a battle royale between uh, the brothers. But I, I had a great time talking to your brother Nick last time. But guys, make sure to go check him out. You guys are on Twitter. Uh, you are at Dean. Is it underscore V E Z? And that's Dean D E N E. Don't don't you do a E A? All right, I've been there. <laughs> uh, go check them out on Twitter and uh, the Rams Brothers. The pod is their podcast. So glad to have you on, man. It's been a while since we had a chance to talk, and this is almost a completely different team. I mean, if you're looking at you know who has come and gone, you know, just to kind of recap, you know, since we last spoke, we've added Eric Weddle, Clay Matthews, Blake Bortles, re-signed Fowler, and then you know Roger Saffold's gone, Sullivan was cut, and Dominican Sue. Yeah, pretty much all but gone at this point. Mm-hmm. Mark Barron gone, Joiner gone. How you feeling about these moves so far in the offseason and where the team's at? Yeah, I, I'm not ashamed by any means for where the team is at right now. I, I'm really confident in the direction that they're going. I, I have all the confidence in the world in Les Snead and Sean McVay. I think, you know, this is the year when, you know, you go from worst to first, you go to coach of the year and you go, you know, 11 and 5, 13 and 3. This is the year where I think that they could really take it over the top. And, you know, when you look in comparison to last year, in some of the moves that they made. I mean, they started the offseason so fast. I mean, before the official league year even started with bringing in Marcus Peters, getting rid of Robert Quinn, uh, franchise tagging LaMarcus Joyner, trading Alec Ogletree, um, and then bringing in Tlaib, Sam Shields, and uh, Sue and Cooks and all those guys, all those extensions that came after that. So last offseason, I felt like was more busy. And, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to restructure some players because they restructured uh, Cooks, Gurley, Havenstein, and Donald extended all those guys in July and August. So I would assume that, you know, there's going to be some contract, uh, you know, fixes, extensions, restructures within the month of of July and August. But I think in terms of, you know, activity, this offseason isn't as busy, but I think it's just as productive. Yeah, it's very true. We were really spoiled last year with the amount of moves that happened and big time moves, bringing on players that are impact type guys. This year, it seems like, you know, they're going for the shorter term, you know, veteran type of guy that's not going to eat up a lot of cap space that freezes up in a year or two, you know, especially as you talked about those extensions. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, Lesney was just saying the other day that it's not if but when on Jared Goff, you know, is it this year or is it next year? Uh, so we're going to expect him to get paid a lot. Another one of those guys that we talked about 
this week is Marcus Peters. Uh, it was said mm-hmm. at the owners meeting that they are very interested in re-signing him. So, uh, you know, the Rams have, like you just mentioned, notoriously been known to do that during this time period, probably after the draft. But uh, would you give the thumbs up on a Marcus Peters? Were you happy with where he was at and how he finished? Do you want to give him some big bucks or what are your thoughts on on that or even that position? Well, I think with, you know, with Talib solidified on the other side, you know, I think he's going to be okay for this season. I, I think in terms of a restructure or an extension, you know, it's going to get a little bit scary in terms of the money that they're going to offer him. But, you know, you look at his productivity level and you see him just be exposed by Michael Thomas in whatever week that was, week 11. And then as he progressed, you know, throughout the rest of the season into the playoffs, he seemed like he really got his act together, right? You know, you really had a good idea of who he kind of became to be. You know, he was he was more in front of the press. He was more involved with, you know, the players in the locker room. So, you know, I, I have a I have a pretty good finger on it in terms of how they feel about him within the locker room. I think Sean McVay has all the confidence in the world in, in terms of just, you know, his in terms of Marcus Peters overall confidence. Right. He's a guy that's going to go after it every single day. He's going to continue to improve his game. And I think he's going to work well with some some defensive leaders like Eric Weddle. Clay Matthews, you know, that defense is really going to continue to mesh. And I think Peters is going to continue to bring it every week. The extension is going to get scary, but it's not something that I would completely rule out. Yeah, I I agree with you as far as the extension could get scary, right? Because you're talking about probably a a long-term investment with a lot of dollars for a guy that had a big chunk during the season uh, that he performed poorly. And I was talking about it on Twitter the other day, and I kind of, you know, said that, you know, kind of the same thing you did about how when Tlaib was in there, all was well. And when he wasn't, it wasn't great. But, you know, thankfully we'll have to leave healthy and that's the understanding moving forward. And, you know, someone made a pretty good comment. and was like, you know, I don't want to have to rely on somebody when you're giving them big dollars to have to rely on another guy to be good. Like if I'm giving him that money, I need him to be good no matter who's around him or, mm-hmm. you know, what's on the other side. And that's kind of the scary thing is you talk about those longer term deals and you look at how much longer do we have to leave here on the roster. Uh, and that's why I think this draft's going to be really interesting to us. And we talked about the last couple of days about, you know, some of the cornerbacks that are out there and, and who we could actually go after. Because getting a guy that can be on the other side of him is just as important, I think, as uh, extending him. But just like you, I'm, I'm a big fan of Peters. I love mm-hmm. a guy that talks some crap, that is very confident in his game, even when he was struggling. You know, he was, you seemed like just almost angry that at himself that he wasn't there. He was going to keep trying and keep trying. And he, he really put the effort in to uh, turn around his game. And he has that playmaking ability that you just can't find elsewhere. So it is kind of a boomer bust with him sometimes. But I do, I mean, I'm, I'm a guilty. I'm a, a Marcus Peters fan. Uh, and I hope we do extend him. Hopefully it's within the right money constraints but it is funny you know we talk about the confidence we have in this team moving forward I saw a uh, a tweet from Show Times and they were talking about a poll that was going on on SB Nation and it was basically asking uh, all NFL fans their confidence level after uh, you know the Super Bowl coming into the season and their response said that 95% of the people that responded to the Rams said that they are better after free agents uh, after free agency and you know they question that response but I think that the general sense is kind of like what you're saying is you know we got Sean McVay less need you know driving the bus and a lot of talent locked in that there's not a lot of things to be worried about yeah it very much makes me feel that you know when you if you're talking about a Marcus Peters extension you know they they have the right ideas in mind right you know you're you're bringing in a guy 
who and with all these league rule changes and the pass interference rule changes and you know some of the other things that you think about grooming somebody through the draft or bringing in a new player and teaching him the system I think that the comfort level with him is there. So, you know, and he's dealt with a ton of adversity throughout his career. And I think even with the Rams, he dealt with some uh, just, you know, dealing with the press and some of the backlash of the stuff that he said. But in 61 career regular season games, he has 22 interceptions, five forced fumbles. He's got two picks in the postseason and he's recorded seven pass deflections throughout that postseason as well. So he's a productive player. And I think that they're going to peel back the layers and understand the fact that his productivity level is there when it matters. Yeah, those interceptions, uh, you know, are definitely key in our a jump out stat. And actually, uh, my old co-host James Kroger won a bet with one of the Seahawks podcasts we talked to because uh, he was uh, the higher interception getter than the Seahawks, who I can't remember. I think I can't remember who they picked on their side. But uh, so we were watching those interceptions pretty close throughout the season, and and that was considered almost a down year for him as far as interceptions interceptions go. So it was, um, you know, looking at like you mentioned that long term for him. I think we're going to see more and more as he is, you know, he continues to fit into this system. Uh, but what we're going to do, I got a little bit more on some of these new guys I want to pick your brain on, but we're going to take a break. We're going to step aside, get a word from some of our sponsors. We'll be right back on the other side. Dean and Bear, Locked On Rams Friday, right after this. It was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling songs in the set. The suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back Friday edition, Locked On Rams. We have got Dean Vespi with us. 
from Rams Brothers the Pod. Make sure to go check them out. Uh, you can also check out our podcast and all of Locked On uh, Network. You can check us out on the new streaming app, Himalaya. If you don't have it, go download it. It's awesome. I just got it. Uh, it has all your podcasts. They have tons of other podcasts as well. Also, when you get in the car, make sure to ask your smartphone. Play podcast Locked On Rams, and boom, you are all set, ready to go. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Give us a follow and uh, tweet at us. So as we were just talking about all those off-season moves and uh, kind of looking ahead here at some of the new guys that are coming in, you know, out of that group, you know, specifically Weddle and Matthews, because we hopefully don't have to see Blake Bortles much. That's the plan. Uh, but who are you most excited? Who do you think is going to have a bigger impact uh, in this upcoming season? I think in studying Eric Weddle and, you know, just looking around, you know, even on Twitter, what some of the people that have played with him have said about him. And just, you know, you, you could even go back to, you know, YouTube and search Eric Weddle mic'd up. And just hear how the other players and the others on the team, uh, even just for example, when he played for the Ravens, you notice that, you know, players kind of flock to that type of mentality, that type of behavior, that type of leadership. And I think that that's what Eric Weddle is going to bring. I mean, he's not necessarily going to be the mic and he's not going to necessarily be calling the plays, right? But he's going to be that support, that extra level of support that I think a lot of these young defensive backs need. And just to keep their head collected and to understand that there's a leader behind them, you know, the position that he plays to replace Mark LaMarcus Joyner, I think is absolutely massive, right? A lot of times he was exposed in different areas of the field. So I don't think you're going to see that, you know, that 15, 20 yard gap where there's, you know, internal confusion and there's everybody's confused and they don't know where, which receiver is going where. I think Weddle's going to, he's really going to have a grasp on this defense and make sure that everybody knows their responsibility. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm also just jacked up for some uh, Eric Weddle, John Johnson, mic'd up sessions just to hear those guys chatting. I mean, kind of like you said, doing some research on Weddle and watching some of the NFL film stuff. And he's just fun to listen to. It's Mm -hmm. like, I think that's why McVay is so stoked about him is it's like a a defensive McVay out there, you know, the way that he talks about football and then also the way he's just down to earth and those two things coming together. And then John Johnson is just a goofball in all the sense being good. Uh, You know, he's just a funny guy. So I'm excited for all those conversations. And like you said, we've got a lot of young guys and that's kind of what I want to get to next. You know, these veterans coming in are going to be big because there's a lot of players that, you know, as we have some holes, as we talked about all those guys that are going out, we didn't have that many guys coming in. So we're going to have to lean towards some of these guys that are second year guys, third year guys. Uh, You know, you're talking about guys like Noteboom, Brian Allen on the offensive side, and then, you know, Micah Kaiser, Oboe, we haven't even seen yet, Mm -hmm. John Franklin Meyer in his second year. Um, You know, how's how's your confidence level on these guys, and where do you see some of these guys fitting in? So, I mean, you look around the roster, right, and you look at where you have to fill holes. I do think replacing Roger Saffold and John Sullivan are the two biggest voids, right? Because you're talking about the offensive line. You're talking about the left side of the ball. I think on defense, you know, some of those guys, John Franklin Myers, are, you know, kind of proven productive. They're they're going get, to get to the quarterback. You know, they're going to force a couple fumbles, make some tackles. And I think, you know, the linebacking core led by Corey Littleton and then you bring in Clay Matthews is going to be fine. But when you look on the offensive side of the ball and you, and you notice – you notice no, uh, Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen, uh, they're both third and fourth round picks respectively, but you know, you, you really just pray that you can get productivity out of those two guys. You want, you want Noteboom to step in and give you 75% of what Roger Saffold gave you last year. And then, you know, Sullivan's a veteran too. And I, I remember when we were watching, uh, you know, watching the beginning of the Super Bowl, they were talking about how John Sullivan 
had predicted that the Rams were going to win the Super Bowl before the season had ever started. And I, I think that the, whatever broadcaster was, maybe it was Joe Buck or one of those other guys, mentioned that Sullivan was a little tuned up when he said that. So, I <laughs> you know, that's the kind of veteran leadership, though, that you want on the offensive line. You know, you go from an average age on the left side of, you know, 34, 35 to, you know, all the way down sub 30. And granted, Whitworth is still in there, but it's a huge concern. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think we're all kind of a little concerned there as far as the O-line and how things fill in. The one thing I saw, actually, uh, a quote come out from Noteboom, and he was saying he saw it more as an advantage sitting out last year than, you know, just jumping in right away. He got to, you know, kind of be behind Big Wit and and Saffold on that left side to kind of learn some things. And, you know, he did see some run at times. There was a couple times where uh, we had some players go down and he got a little bit of action during the season. And then also uh, they put him in there for the preseason. So he feels pretty confident, which also gives me some confidence. I guess if you're looking at some of these young guys and you talked about the offensive uh, line, but other than that, are there any guys standing out that you're kind of, kind of nervous about or don't have very much confidence coming into the season? Not necessarily. I would just think, you know, I, I really want their their pass rush to improve, right? You know, you want players like Dante Fowler, you're concerned about his sack total last year, you know, you paid him a ton of money. I think he's making 14 mil next year or he's making, a, what is it? Nine and a half mil guaranteed, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it's, it's some change. It's, it's worth sacks. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly is. And somebody that's only had 16 career sacks, um, you know, over his, how many, however many years he's been playing at three or four, um, you know, that's a concern for an edge rusher. And you look back at the history of some, you know, I went back and looked at Robert Quinn today cause he's moving around the league now. And they think that, you know, his productivity levels are down, but he was so productive back 2013, 14, 15. I mean, he was above eight, nine, 10 sacks. The one year he had, he had an outrageous amount of sacks. I think it was 18 or 19 uh, in 2013. So that's the kind of productivity you want out of, out of a solid edge rusher. So if Fowler's going to do that, I'm okay, but that's where my biggest concern is. I, I like that you brought that whole Quinn reference up too, because I was just, before we started talking, I was just on Twitter and I was just kind of killing some time and uh, looking at some of the stuff that was out. And I kind of got into a, a conversation uh, about Fowler versus Quinn and, you know, kind of the expectations coming in this year. And obviously, you know, the compensation one's going to get and, and, you know, what that really means and what is better. And, you know, you talked about the, the lack of sacks from Fowler, but, you know, my hope is, and I'm the optimist look here, is that, you know, first full year in the system, you know, the Rams showed him that they care and they want him back. He's got to build some confidence in his play. He's on a one-year deal. Hopefully he's expecting to try to come out and play a little bit harder. And I know that kind of sounds kind of cliche. You should play harder because you're on a contract year. It very much is a prove me year. Exactly. So, you know, what would you consider a successful year as far as Fowler goes uh, as far as sacks, if he got this number, you'd go, that's what I'm looking for. I would say above 10, you know, 10, 11, 10 and a half, 11, 12, maybe I would be completely satisfied. But, you know, you, you're hoping for edge rushers to, uh, you know, other players to emerge a little bit and kind of come in and fill that void too. So it's not just all, you know, your eyes aren't all on Dante Fowler because there are going to be other players that can, that can be productive as well. But, you know, for him, I think that 10 and a half, 11 number I'd be comfortable with. Yeah, if he gets 10 sacks, man, he's getting paid and the Rams are definitely bringing him back because that is the type of edge rusher that they are looking for. Back, in, and he was a he was a top draft pick. So, I mean, that kind of productivity at this point in his career is almost expected. Right, right. And I'm a little bit lower than where you're at as far as that goes because he, you mentioned it. He's never gotten over what four sacks in his career. 
Uh, it would be awesome to see a breakthrough with all those things we just kind of compounded there. Uh, but I think I'm looking at that eight number is a kind of where I, so if he goes, you know, seven, eight, nine, if he hits double digits, man, uh, I'm going to throw a Dante Fowler party and you're invited because that would be, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, especially because I was looking at Clay Matthews numbers the other day and I know it's just probably random and whatnot, but looking at pro football focus, um, it lasts three years, he's had a really good pro football focus number, mm -hmm. a really bad one, a really good one, a really bad one. And he's coming off of a bad one. And so I'm hoping this trend continues and it brings up a number McVeigh and, uh, you know, Wade Phillips can get creative and find a way to improve his play. You know, he had a couple sacks last year that were taken away because of, you know, roughing the quarterback that were pretty, pretty weak. And, and obviously I'm, I grew up in Chicago. I was born to hate the Packers. So when that happened, I was like, yeah, that was, yeah, flag them. And now I'm sitting here defending, I'm going, well, he should have a couple more sacks. So, uh, out of those two, you know, edge rushers, and I'm sure Fowler's going to get more snaps, but, uh, do you see Fowler being the, you know, the leader there, or, or could you envision Matthews coming in and, and stepping up the sack total? No, I do see, I see Fowler being the leader there, right? I have that play you know, just playing over again and again in my head where he put his hands up and made Breeze make that errant throw and John Johnson fell back and did the Choppa style. That's that will, yeah. <laughs> that will be forever engraved in my brain. It's my favorite. It was my favorite play of the entire season and it was season defining. And, I, you know, I think it was a big play that, you know, they looked at internally and they said, if he didn't get to him there, you know, this can be a completely different game. He was a huge part of the reason why they won that game. So, and you look back in his career too. I mean, he he came out of the first of his first year, his rookie year, he was hurt towards ACL, right? And then his first official year starting, he only made one start in 16 games, and he had four sacks there. So you were talking about his uh, Pro Football Focus rating. You know that's it's going to fluctuate too there because you know it's, you start in Jacksonville, and <laughs> you never know which way your career is going to go, especially when you start off with an ACL injury. So. There's a lot there with him. And I think that there's going to be, you know, if he's at that 8, 9, 10, 11 sack number, then we're going to be throwing a party and I'm going to be there wearing his jersey. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, you, you can't you can't expect too much. I just think for the amount of money he's getting paid, you're allowed to expect that number. Yeah, yeah. And and I think he expects that. I saw some action from him on Twitter, I think pretty soon after the season. And someone was kind of saying, you know, he's been down and he hasn't played that great for, you know, like you said, where he's been drafted. And he kind of talked about the injuries. And even before he left, that it wasn't really his play that was keeping him off the field. It was some of the off the field stuff and what Jacksonville was dealing with. And, and now that he's kind of turned the page, he's healthy. Uh, he seems to be focused on football. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we're right and we'll see some, you know, uptick in, in his performance. But uh, what we'll do is we'll step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side. Dean and Bear, Locked On Rams Friday right after this. I'm the streets voice out west legendary self all right rams nation we are back third and final segment of the week we've got dean vespi with us from rams brothers the pod uh, we've had his brother nick on before and uh while we're here i mean any shots you want to take at your brother or are you feeling pretty good right now <laughs> uh my brother and i actually just after we recorded our episode last night we said to ourselves that was the most uh, animosity we've ever had between each other in conversation while talking about the Rams. And I think it was, it was because we had a necessary break. I, I don't know. I love him as a co-host. I would never, I could never replace him. I don't have any, any bad things to say about him. 
<laughs> I'm just setting you up, man. I'm just setting you up for some fuel, know, man. No, so next time I next time next time I talk to Nick, he, I can be like, "Did you hear what your brother said, man? Can't believe that, right? You weren't even here to defend yourself." <laughs> uh, when's that? Did you guys did you guys post that episode already? Is that up and running? Or are you guys getting that up a little bit? It posted last. It posted last night, so it's live on iTunes or on Apple Podcast and SoundCloud and Spotify. Awesome. So if you guys want to go check that out, feel free. It's it's an hour and eight minutes. So we had a lot to talk about. And I interviewed uh, Taylor Kolsky, the author of Breaking Down the 2018 LA Rams Offense, where he breaks down all of the schemes and formations and misdirections and everything that McVay incorporated into the playbook. So fascinating book, Brad. If you uh, if you have a chance, look at it on my Twitter page. You could just go right from the tweet where I think the tweet's actually pinned on my page. So you can go on my Twitter page and then click the tweet and it'll, the link will be right there for you to go check out the book. Awesome. I've seen that book floating around uh, the, the Twitter universe, so I, I'm going to just have to, to bite the bullet and go get it because it seems like an in-depth read and lots of awesome stuff. And uh, I'll retweet that episode as well. Guys, go check it out. Uh, these two guys together are awesome. Uh, always great podcasts. You can tell, uh, obviously, the brother connection and the little – I can't wait to hear the, <laughs> the little animosity in the back and forth because when you take that break, you got a lot to say when you come back on the mic. So especially after that Super Bowl, you just got to let some feelings out. Uh, as you kind of talked about that interview, um, without a spoiler or anything, we want to make sure everyone goes listens, but what was maybe one takeaway, uh, from that interview that you found really interesting, uh, that came out of that conversation? Well, Taylor took his time and he's a student athlete, but he wants to be a coach in the near future and he wants to be an offensive coordinator. So he really is taking the time to study the hell out of leaders like Sean McVay and some other great coaches that have entered the league and have been really innovative. So, I really wanted to pick Taylor's brain because he had some really interesting quotes just in the on the just right in the front page of the book. And he's fascinated with the way that these leaders' brains work and why Sean McVay has been so successful as a player, as a coach, what he did in high school versus what he did in college and just how he carried himself and always wanted to perform up against, you know, the biggest and baddest players to to prove that he was he was who he is. So, you know, I, I really appreciated the fact that he dug into our leader there, which is Sean McVay. And um, I really just, I, I appreciated the fact that he he took the time to break down the offense because there are a lot of complexities and misdirections and pins and pulls and stuff that, you know, the typical fan wouldn't really see just by watching TV. So, you know, it gives fans a better understanding of, you know, the X's and the O's and how complex. And, you know, somebody like Tony Romo will say, the Rams are only running four plays but it's much more complex than, you know, just four simple uh, layouts. It's, you know, so many different variations of the offense. So I like to hear about why he studied that and why it's fascinating to him. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're right. It's like, oh, four simple plays. And then all of a sudden from those four plays, there's 45 options for each play. Right. And there's all right. these different right. things that can work off of it. And uh, that's what I love about it, too. And, and it's really fun when you do get some of those analysts or, you know, the all 22 and they break down the plays and you look at how uh, creative he is and how he sets up plays in the first, second and third. So he can call something in the fourth. Uh, there was one of my favorite plays. I, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but he had brought Robert Woods in motion from right to left and kind of looped almost like a wide receiver screen, a deep wide receiver screen. And he'd ran it a few times, a few times, a few times. And then finally, when we were in the red zone, he brought it back. And as he got, as Woods got close to Jared Goff, he just stuck his foot in the dirt, 
hit reverse, turned around, they threw a little swing pass to him, and he he basically almost walked into the end zone for a touchdown. Yep. And it was just like you saw it, like he built it, built it, built it, built it, and then boom, hit him with the the remix of it, and no one uh, was ready for it. And so that's the type of stuff that I love. And and uh, so that book's got to be amazing. Got to go check that out, and got to check out that podcast to hear him kind of go on about it. Because obviously, when you're in depth about that, I mean, shoot, he wrote a, wrote a book about it. He might as well start applying for some jobs and just say, hey, you know, I I. I wrote a book about McVeigh that might get you a job these days uh you know looking at uh the way that the NFL world has worked recently but uh awesome stuff I want to kind of close this out by just uh taking a look at the NFC and NFC West in in general here and where you think we are lining up right because uh, the Niners have made a big push they've been adding tons of defensive players uh, you can almost feel like they're building this team to strictly compete against us in this division yeah. and try to get out of the NFC West. And and there's Seattle, who's you know lost Earl Thomas, and you know they just seem to. It always is like Russell Wilson and the rest of the gang, and you know so you're not sure if they're fading. But what's your look at this NFC West and where we rank in, and and how comfortable are you with us still floating to the top? Uh, I, I would be very confident in placing a, a high wager on the fact that the Rams are NFC West champions yet again. And this would be the third third year in a row that they're going to do this. I, I don't have any doubts that they're going to they're going to come back out firing, potentially go 12 and 4, 13 and 3 again. I think when you look around the division, though, it's pretty interesting to see, you know, what kind of moves that that San Francisco is making to try to build them, you know, internally and try to give them try to give Jimmy Garoppolo a couple more weapons. And, you know, I'm just not scared of anybody in that division. You know, mm. you look around in Arizona, they don't even know what they're doing at quarterback yet. Are they going to stay put? Right. Are they going to take Kyler Murray? I mean, that that whole process is three, four years away from being ready. I really think with the extension with Pete Carroll that they gave him in the offseason, you know, when you extend a coach, it, it reminds me of the Jeff Fisher thing where you kind of extend him just to kind of, you know, brush him off the side until you can figure off figure out what you got next. You know, so I, I'm not sure what Seattle's going to do with him. You know, he's an he's an aging coach, and if for whatever reason they go seven and nine or eight and eight, they're going to have to consider for moving on from him. So I I don't know. I'm not scared of anybody within our division. I don't see any reason why we can't repeat. So if you see us at the top, how do you see who's coming in second? Because I think we're all in agreements that we'd be shocked if Arizona makes a move out of the basement in one year with potentially Kyler Murray, who's an exciting player and could come in and, and really do some things. We saw a ton of rookie quarterbacks last year, and we saw some be successful, but it would be a stretch in this division uh, to make a move out of the basement. But who do you see? How do you see 2-3 going in, in the NFC West? So 2-3, I'll, I'll go back to Seattle. I really think that they're going to at least be able to hold that two spot, similar to what they did last year. They still have Russell Wilson. They still have a dominant run game. They had our number all year. I think they averaged over 160 yards on the ground against us last year. So, you know, they're going to bring that that three-headed rushing attack. I saw Doug Baldwin, I think, just had a her, uh, surgery on a sports hernia or something around that realm. So, I mean, in terms of receivers, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're thin at receiver. And I think they're thin in terms of, you know, defensive backs. And they just got rid of Earl Thomas, right? So, they're going to try to restructure internally on that defense and try to you know be a productive team but I see them potentially holding on to that maybe that wild card spot that second spot and then San Francisco is going to be a decent team right I mean you you think they're going to potentially win anywhere from six to eight games you think Garoppolo is going to be a serviceable quarterback you got some guys coming off of of really bad injuries that you think are going to come back around and play well so I would say Rams Seahawks San Francisco and then the Arizona Cardinals Similar to what it was this year. 
Yeah, and I don't think you're far off. And it's tough. It's tough to kind of do this, you know, before the draft and try to figure out where you think everything's going. Because, you know, on paper, you know, you think, wow, the Niners are really going for it. And Seattle seems to be going the other way. And you talked about the extension for Pete Carroll, who's got a great, you know, leadership up there. And he's got a good idea of how to control that team and and get a lot out of not having a lot. Um, but you're right. In the, in the world in NFL, it is so easy to extend a coach and five minutes later fire him. Uh, so we'll see kind of how long that goes. But they love him up there. It's good connection for those uh, for that area and for him as well. But I, I'm with you. I, th- I think it. I almost would maybe even flip flop the Niners. I just think, you know, that's a long way to come from where they were. I think they had, what, four wins last year or whatever it yeah. was, four or five wins. So it's a long way to jump all the way up and even to try to go to the top. Um, and, and then again, this could be one of those ugly divisions that looks good in the offseason and then just can't beat anybody outside the division. Uh, you know, speaking of the other three teams, not the Rams. But uh, I guess my next question would be to kind of close this out. You said your confidence level is extremely high to win back to back to back NFC champions. <laughs> so we'll probably put you in the upper 90s as far as confidence level. What's your confidence level as far as sweeping the division? back-to-back years yeah I know that was an amazing amazing thing that they did last year just completely swept the division took care of business I don't see that happening again um that's something that doesn't happen typically around this league I think if you look back historically teams that sweep the division are so few and far in between and even if they do sweep the division I think the likelihood of them going on and winning the Super Bowl isn't even that high so you look at a team like the Patriots when they were 16-0 and and they swept the division I'm sure they've done that a handful of times and have went on to either win or lose the Super Bowl. But, you know, I, I just don't see that happening again. I think San Francisco has a little bit more star power. They may steal one from us, you know, if we're in their building. I don't see Arizona winning a single game against us. Um, but, you know, I think we could take care of business against Seattle. We've really had their number over the past two, three years. But you also have to think they want some revenge as well. So I'd say they go 5-1, and 4-2 and two in the division. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, you're right. It's really tough to do that. It's the NFL. It's tough to win road games. We've been spoiled over the last couple of years with McVay and just how well. Yeah. And so like there's a time at. I'm just curious about when it comes, right? Whether it's next year, two years, three years down the road when McVay kind of hits a wall or the, you know, things happen, whether it's injuries or a drop touchdown here and a, you know, well, now I guess pass interference review here or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it could go the other way. And I'm just kind of curious how this team's going to react because they've seen some, you know, we've seen a lot of success. But uh, that would be awesome to see. I think you're right. I think at some point we're going to, you know, whether it's the Niners on the road or up in Seattle, even though we've won back-to-back games up in Seattle and our confidence level going to Seattle is something else. It's fun to watch. But, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of fun to debate. And I, I appreciate you going there and uh, putting your, your confidence picks out there. Uh, guys, again, make sure to go check out Rams Brothers, the pod. The brand-new podcast went up yesterday. Uh, pack full of some good stuff, an hour and eight minutes. That is – that's sign me up, man. I got a, I got a lot of moving to do this weekend. I'm moving to a new place, so I'm going to be driving back and forth from L.A. sitting in traffic, so you better believe I'll be tuning into that. Also, go check them out on Twitter at Dean, D-E-N-E underscore V-E-Z. Uh, he'll post all the content there as well as the book he was talking about. So uh, go check him out. Nick, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. I tried to bait you into talking some crap about your brother. <laughs> you weren't having it. We'll have both of you guys back next time uh, one of these days and we'll have a chat. Uh, but appreciate you coming on. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for having me on. Take care. All right, Rams Nation. With that said, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. <laughs> It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. 
I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self-made progress. Last time that I Hey Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.